I suppose we want to be beacons for, 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 for people to showcase that you can have strong businesses, you can have a commercially sound business while delivering deep levels of impact and creating the community around you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. COVID-19 changed how many of us see the more vulnerable in our community. And with more people falling through the cracks and a large portion of the workforce finding themselves in financial difficulties, more people have been pushed either below or towards the poverty line. And those vulnerable in our society have had it even tougher than normal, if that's possible. Even though the hospitality industry has been heavily impacted by the pandemic, there have been amazing operators putting their hands up to help those in need. Sean Christie David is a co-owner of Colombo Social and CEO of Played It Forward. Sean, how are you going? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Good, thank you. It's great to have you on the show. You've done some pretty amazing things in the last year and the pandemic was a real turning point for you and the development of Played It Forward. Can you, can you tell, take us back to that time? Yeah, it's it's a, a phone conversation, really. Um, we had had just spoken to one of our one of our friends that heads up the community projects out at um, Mission Australia, and he called me and said, "Look, people are going through some very difficult times. Are you in? And can you help?" Um, and I just went, "Well, we've shut down our restaurant. I've got some excess stock." Maybe we'll just cook that up and give you guys a couple of meals to start off with, and 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 that <laughs> that conversation changed everything for us. Um, we donated about a thousand meals that week, um, and the need just went from there. Uh, we were getting calls from Redfern Aboriginal Medical Service. We we're getting calls from the housing projects and and the community towers out at Redfern. Um, and at one point, we had twenty seven different charity partners um, in the space of probably three weeks wow. all reaching out and saying things are things are dire. Um, our, our elderly uh, residents can't leave their house or no one's got money or no one's got food and, and they're really suffering. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a phone call that changed uh, our lives in many, many ways, but also probably the most interesting way was understanding the, the need that exists within our city. We didn't knew this too till we kind of started this project and knowing that there's people in Redfern that haven't eaten for three days and people that, that are struggling so much um, and what food represents to, to people as well. Um, it was eye-opening and pretty tough, to be completely honest. Those early stages when it when it took off so quickly and there was there was so much need in the community, you're used to offering restaurant meals in a, in a beautiful setting. Um, how different was the food that you were doing um, to help those those in need? At the start, it was just the food that we had at Colombo Social. So we were cooking our dals and, and our meat curries and things like that. Um, and then we have maintained restaurant quality meals throughout the, the process. Um, we see everybody, regardless of them being in our restaurant or being a community member, they're our customers um, and we want to serve the best quality food um, and treat people equally with respect, dignity, and hope. Um, and, and it's about healthy, nutritious food. Um, but it's about pride um, in what we do uh, and what we serve up, but also pride that they receive something that they might ne never have had or, or, or 
um, never experienced before. And I remember one day when, when we had people coming from, from the community to sit down and eat with us and talk about their, their experiences and, and how best we can help them. Often nine elders from Redfern, seven of them had never been to a restaurant in their life because they never felt they could be accepted in restaurants. So we want to bring the restaurant to them regardless of their circumstances. Plate it forwards is not just about giving people food that that need meals. It's actually there's multi sort of things that you're doing for the community. Can you take us through what Plate It Forward does? Yeah, look, that's very hard to describe. It. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been the evolution is is how we describe it. Um, look, it started off purely as as a meal donation program. It was a, it was an immediate response to what was happening in the community and to just act very fast for what was that first need was, was food insecurity. And then it became more and it's and it's, when we asked the community, what more can we do? What do you need? Um and, and our charity partners. So then it became a check-in point for our charity partners to deliver the food and then ask during during the pandemic when 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 services were down or, or moving to different stages, how can they help in that new stage? And the food was the catalyst for that. Um, and then it was that conversation when we when we brought the, the elders into the community where they said um our people are bored um, and they do they do uh, things that they might not want to because of because of their circumstances and we looked into the the um, indigenous incarceration rates and 20 times more likely to be um, incarcerated if you're unemployed so we said well why don't we employ people from the community to go and cook it uh, cook the meals provide employment provide jobs or provide long-term um, investment for people to to redefine equal opportunity as as people might have been left out from the from the job market and, and you know long-term unemployment so we created ability social which is a 20-week paid employment program for the people who are from the communities to therefore go out and cook the meal with empathy with 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 a bit of understanding that they're cooking for their friends and um, so there's that sort of secret ingredient of lived experience but but also compassion and care that goes into our, our meal program um and then we're, we're launched a community kitchen, which is about uh, social inclusion for, for, for people living with disability um, and, and looking at digital platforms for engagement uh, and, and, and dining experiences once the world opens up. So it's evolved and moved rapidly. I think there's five different streams to, to the charity now um, with a few more on the way as well. So um, it's really come from asking people that we work with and work for what more can we as a charity that, that, that's limited in budget, uh, but not limited in, in kind of dreams of aspirations for everyone to be treated the same? Can you give us a, a sense of what sort of impact that it's made, both in employing people, training, meals donated, and, and, and what the real issues are out there that you'll see? The real issues are uh, we're talking about higher level. Higher levels of, of mental health conditions exacerbated by financial insecurity and unknowing when and and the hard thing is with with the, the the world as it is what that means for the future when is this going to be over and, and no one's got the answer to that but when you're suffering from from long-term um trauma or, or things like that the uncertainty that surrounds this benefits not being you know, when does the benefits stop? When do they revert? What is that? What is that financial or, or, or the pressures around that? So we're seeing higher levels of, of, of real mental health conditions um, going up um, and hope around. So we talk about the unemployment figures um, being, being, being okay, um, but we're not talking about the people that are excluded from the unemployment figures because they just don't think they're ever going to get a job 
Arnie out. A lot of them talk about being pensioned off or, or that's my life. So they don't even, they don't go into that. So we're seeing employment um, and, and just hope kind of diminishing for people that, that have kind of been, uh, might be overlooked by society. Um, so that's kind of the, the conditions and, and food insecurity is still up there. Um, you know, those rising food costs and, and, and food still is pretty expensive. Um, so that's the kind of conditions that we're seeing out there. Um, but the impact, um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll probably start crying at some point. Um, we're, you know, uh, to talk to our graduates who had never worked or, or 30 years unemployed, maybe uh, recovering from addiction or or going through some some pretty tough uh, intergenerational trauma um, and, and, and lifelong trauma, um, and to see them smiling and happy. Um, the first event we ever did, we, we did a wedding. Um, and I'll be honest, I'd never ever run a wedding before, um, especially in the kitchen. Um, and we were all kind of flying blind, but we pulled off a premium wedding, a, a, an unbelievable uh, kind of menu. Um, and at the end of it, um, the bride and groom asked for a photo with our kitchen team. Um, and the kitchen team who had never, of the three people in the kitchen, none of them had ever been to a wedding themselves as a guest. Um, and they had a standing ovation for the whole audience around what their story was, um, who they were and what they've overcome to be dishing up amazing food. And I've, it's goosebumps still like to see a hundred people stand up um, and give an ovation to a, a chef team. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it just gets better from there. They're doing, a, they're doing an event um, on Thursday with Kylie Kwong for a hundred senior executives, you know? Um, it's, it's unbelievable um, how far people have come um, and it's about showcasing the breadth and the depth of talent that exists within people that are often overlooked. Um, but they can do anything. They're, they're so talented, so passionate and so committed. Um, and I've, you know, they've never been in the kitchen before and doing these kind of things. Um, it's mind blowing to watch. And, you know, it's, we're, we're so proud to see them and our staff at Colombo social and, and, and people that have never worked and, and, and faced, um, barriers and, 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 and trauma to, to shine and be the best versions of themselves. It's, it's, it's like, it's like being a parent to, to, to 15 children. It's, it's, it's unbelievable who are just mind blowing. Is there anything that has really surprised or shocked you that you've learned during the last year? Yeah, look, so many lessons. I think pleasantly surprised, you know, we'll be honest, <laughs> the three graduates that, that we have taken on, had never worked or, or had never 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 set foot in the kitchen and then three weeks in to be doing events um we were so surprised with their skill level um it's it's unreal they're they're doing some fancy things right now um and nailing like I, I wouldn't even know where to start um so we're being pleasantly surprised by that um in terms of the experiences that we've had on the other side um seeing seeing the need that exists um, and the parallel universe that we live in, in our, in our bubbles, you know, like I lived down the street in Waterloo um, and did not understand what people in my own community were going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and when you hear their stories, but see their smiles and, and their genuine warmth and their genuine care for each other, um, that communities that, that live in, in, in in these very difficult circumstances, their strength and their resilience. Um, but knowing their stories, it's, 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 it's bittersweet to see uh, how lovely they are uh, despite everything. So yeah, it's, it's eye-opening um, and, and 
at times difficult, at times really tough. Um, but but knowing you can make an impact in a, in a small way by just by just donating a meal, um, it's it's very empowering for us. Prior to the pandemic, you were just a professional in the hospitality industry um, with a with a business. Has the impact of what you've done uh, with Played It Forward does that change the way you see your role in the industry and the way that you run restaurants? Yes, yes. Um, we, I suppose, we want to be beacons for 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 people to showcase that you can have strong businesses, you can have a commercially sound business while delivering deep levels of impact and creating the community around you. Um, as as the restaurant goes. Um, we have the most loyal and amazing customers that come back all the time because they feel connected to their wider community. They feel connected to, to watching our staff grow and develop, but also knowing that their impact is, is, is helping others. Um, and it's a model that we'd love to, to talk about with everybody. How do you do this? How do you help your community? Um, and how do you grow um, a business, but grow a sense of, of following around you where we take everybody that mm-hmm. some people don't know how to help. Um, and we say, just join, just dine with us by dining in our restaurant. You are helping people. That's all you need to do. Go out and have dinner. Um, I know that you can create an impact. And that's if one thing that we love other people to take on board is, is that kind of methodology. Tell us about Colombo social. Where did, where did the idea of it begin? And, and tell us a little bit about what you do in, with the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, the idea started, if we can be completely honest, um, at, at a very, very messy wedding. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my one of my mates from school and I were, attended my best friend's wedding. Um, and we went, we're, we're, we're back and we're, we're, we're very, 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 um, very drunk at this point. And I said, oh, so if we go, everyone go back to my house. My mum's going to cook some food. My poor mum didn't know that, so I caught her at one o'clock in the morning. I said, hey, mum, what are you doing? She's like, I'm, I'm sleeping. I said, well, great. Get up because you've got 15 people coming uh, and we'll be there in 20 minutes. Uh, and we're also drunk. My poor mother cooks this meal um, and my mate says, this is honestly the best food I've ever had. Um, what is this? Uh, so we started going through it and I said, and he was hostile for life and um uh, he said, there's something in this. Why don't we do it? Um, so it took years to develop um, and years to come up with the concept. But it's about showcasing, and, and my story, it's about showcasing uh, first-generation migrants owning and accepting their culture, owning and accepting the food that they used to be. I used to be embarrassed about what my mum used to give me, to be embarrassed by her picking me up and, and smelling like fried onions and dal. Um, and now I bring that to the people because I own my story as an as Australian Sri Lankan. Um, I think that, that that kind of uh, coming of age to me was what it's about um, and being proud of my heritage, but also being really proud of my mum's food. Um, so, you know, we do cook. My mum teaches the chefs what to do. It's her recipes for that really authentic curries. And, and it's that home-cooked, home-style venue. You feel like you're in, you're in a home um, with, the, with the hospitality that surrounds it. But the other, the other ethos was if we're doing a business, I don't want to do a business for, for profit. Um, I want to do a business that, that helps people. And, and again, going back to, to the way we were raised and, and, and my mother, she always said that you won, you won the birth lottery. You were born in possibly the most amazing country and being given opportunities that you would never would have had if you were born in Sri Lanka. And your obligation and your repayment to society is, is taking those values um, and giving the opportunities to people that don't have it. 
Um, so when we looked at it, it was like the asylum seekers that were coming in from Sri Lanka all, all over the world. Um, and, and giving them that first job, that first hope, that training, that long-term view into education and employment, um, that became the backbone of Colombo Social and running a training program. Um, right now we've, we've employed, uh, I think, 20 asylum seekers uh, and, run, and run many for the program. Um, and a lot of facilitated um, other jobs and things like that. Um, so that's that's kind of what the social ethos is. But it's also about changing the stereotypes and changing, challenging people's conceptions of vulnerable communities. Um, so a lot of historically, you go to a charitable restaurant or you go to a charity event and you go, well, it might be a bit shit, but we're helping people out. So let's just do it anyway. Um, but we want to say, no, we want to be the best restaurant. We want to have premium, really, really good food top level service um an amazing product an amazing venue um so that when you go in there you feel like you're in something really really special um and and that changes how we look at people from um marginalized communities to not be in a position of feeling sorry for them but to go wow you are blowing my mind at every single part of this journey um and you are talented you are special you are incredible and and, and flipping that conversation on its head so that people can can challenge their perceptions about people is what, what what the venue stands for as well. Take us back to when you were young and you were the food of your family. What, can you tell us a bit about the food that you were having and also the struggles that you had with your culture and being that first generation Australian and trying to um, balance the two? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, the food. <laughs> um, I, I look at it and I I think my Yes, there was, this is recipes from villages um, that had no modern technology, but we're talking about highly levels of complexity with, with tempering spices and doing all these things. So, you know, it's extravagant. A, a curry powder that, that's made is, is, is slow roasting 11 different um, spices into, into things and, and so deep and, and, and rich the, the, the flavors. Um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> A meal would always have dal. Uh, that's that's just a given um, with everything. I even went home the other day and my mum cooked me a steak. I'm like, what is this shit? Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I'll cook you a dal. And I had, I had some dal with steak because it just needed to be had. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there was there's so many different curries, so many different styles. And Sri Lanka's unique in, in how it positions with, with seven or eight different uh, subcultures within them all having different foods and, and my mum's able to sit across and have friends from all over Sri Lanka that, that created, um, you know, Chinese, Malaysian influences and, and Indian influences and Dutch and Portuguese influences in the food to create what is now Sri Lankan food, um, the ultimate fusion, I suppose. Um, so, so yeah, our food at home was, was amazing quality, but it was also me growing up as in Southwest Sydney, in a predominantly white area, with with most of my friends, actually, we went to a boarding school. Um, I was a day student, but but there was boarders from all, all over the country, you know, uh, country kids um, who didn't understand fucking culture. So the, the grapple was was <laughs> going out and and throwing my my sandwiches that had dal in it because I wanted a chicken strip roll and, and a bit of mayonnaise and, and, and things like that and two minute noodles. That's what everyone was eating, um, not what I had in the end. Oh, that stinks! Oh, what is that? Like that's what we had back in back in the early nineties. Uh, I think I was in school in the nineties. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, early nineties. Um, uh, Australia wasn't where it is now. Um, so yeah, the food was it was a culture shock. My mum had an accent, you know, 
Um, she still has an accent. Um, bless her soul. Um, I normally do her accent, and, and I can never tell her to listen to any of the, the things that were on, because I'm teasing her the whole time, so I feel a bit bad. Um, but but it, it's, it's, it was a real struggle. Um, and now, as Sri Lanka is the most, you know, pre-COVID, obviously, the, the, the number one travel destination, and, and people are going there, and people are experiencing the food and the culture. You know, you can't, you, how do you break down stereotypes and how do you break down racism by throwing up some of the best food you'll ever have and going, oh, I can't hate you. Because you know, I love your biryani. Um, it's it's a really good way to to kind of say, you know what? Screw you. We're all right. We have good food. Um, and and bring that as the entry point into into changing the way they look at you. Has there been a, um, any challenges in translating the cuisine in a restaurant format for Australians? Look, this is this is the the thing. We we keep everything in terms of the traditional style, super traditional. We don't. Uh, and Southeast Asian cooking has always done this, um, is is being apologetic for their flavours and being apologetic for their spices. Um, and one thing that we always said is that that's not great for us, our customers. They're coming in there for an authentic experience. They're coming in there. They know what they're getting in for. Um, I remember seeing someone cry um, because the food was too hot, and I laughed. <laughs> I, said, oh, I said, sorry, mate, here's some write-up. But I'm not going to dumb it down because <laughs> you want the real thing. Um, and I've always felt that we shouldn't be ashamed of our, 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 our culture. You know, I don't, I, I always say no one doesn't not offer me tomato sauce on my meat pie um, because that's how, it's, that's how it's eaten. We want to do that. We want it to reflect what is a traditional meal. Um, and, you know, <laughs> one day we went to, to uh, Tungadi, which is where traditional really really good Sri Lankan food is um, I still go there quite regularly I think it's amazing um and I went with my business partner who's from the south coast of south coast uh, uh, as wide as they come um and my brother myself and 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 Peter were sitting around uh, having a meal and the lady comes up to him and says no 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 not for you too spicy and we looked at each other and we're like what he's like no bring it on and she said no it's too spicy Five minutes later, my brother and I are dripping in sweat, um, pouring, and Pete's like, this isn't hot at all. What is this? Um, he can handle spice way more than we can. And we're like, that most people in Australia love it. Um, and and um, we don't want it. We don't want to patronise them or, 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 or say that you can't handle it. It's up to you. It's your discretion. We'll tell you what's hot or not. We'll give you a warning. Um, but we're not saying sorry. <laughs> You mentioned that the food on the menu is your mum's recipe and she comes in and teaches uh, how to cook them. Can you give us uh, an idea of a couple of the dishes on the menu? I know hoppers are a big part of what you do, but um, can you tell us about maybe one or two star dishes and and then a bit about hoppers? Yeah, so our star dish, which isn't my mum's recipe, (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) is is on the fusion side. Um, It's our soft shell crab rossi taco. it, it blows us how many people know it um, and order it. So it's using uh, paratha roti um, as the taco shell, um, you know, Sri Lankan spiced uh, soft shell crab, um, and then a really, really fresh papaya uh, salsa. So um, it's taking the elements of both Australia and Sri Lanka when we think about how do you create what is now word fusion or, or lack of a better word, um, how do you take influences from modern Australian cooking um, and what Australia represents, which is fresh seafood and fresh ingredients, um, fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, and things like that, um, and also Sri Lanka. So using those two parallel things to come up with a, 
a dish that represents both of them. And that's just, that's one of my favorite things in the world, um, that, that, that soft shell crab wasi taka. Um, and then on the traditional side, whereas my mum gets involved in and, and, and goes through the whole end-to-end -end process of how to cook her her fish curries, her her um, dal, things like that. And I'll always recall a story that that impacts me and, and, and makes you realise your your obligation as a restaurateur delivering um, home-cooked food. Um, and it was a lady who, who sat there and... and was 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 visibly upset and i went over and i said look is everything okay and she goes this dish takes me back to um sri lanka this dish takes me back to being a child she was adopted um and and uh, uh had had never gone back to sri lanka and didn't really know her birth mum. um but she said this is exactly how she'd cook it um and she was crying and i went you know what that that there is is the power of nostalgia, that there is the power of food and that there is the power of home-cooked meals and how it can really, really bring back memories and, and evoke um, things that we, we, we never know um, exist deep within us. And, and that was that was incredible. One of the beautiful things that we've seen in the last couple of years in, in the food culture is, is hoppers. It's not unfamiliar to Sri Lankan food, obviously, but in Australia... It's not something we've seen it around a lot. Can you tell us about hoppers and what makes a great hopper and and how to eat them? Yes, yes. Look, they're, they're an amazing concept. Um, so a hopper is, is fermented rice flour um, and a lot of coconut milk. Um, and, and it's like uh, fermented overnight. Uh, and the temperature is is fundamental to it being right. So, you know, you talk about a hot summer's day, the, the hoppers the next day are just horrible. Um, so it's how do you balance that, that temperature? Um, so there, therein lies the key in the coconut milk ratio um, and the rice flour is, is super important. Um, there's also <laughs> brown sugar actually to, to kind of go in there as well to sometimes make that, make that uh, coloring right. Um, and it's, it's, it's this motion when you when you pour uh, the the batter onto a hot hopper pan, which is like a cylinder, is that the word I'm looking for? Um, circular kind of thing, um, and it's this flick of the wrist. It's this. It's you know, Sri Lankans are very handsy with their actions um, and and love a little gesture, um, and I think that's where they get it from. This complete flick of a wrist. Um, and lucky we're not on video camera because I'm doing it. I'm trying to do it yeah, and scrub it. <laughs> But it's that motion that creates the, the, the even spread of the batter. But then this fluffiness. So it's a crepe-like at the top. So it's really thin and crispy at the top. And then it becomes um, fluffy and cloud-like down the bottom. And it sits there and it's this, it's this combination of a crepe with uh, an idli is probably the best description, which is the, the Indian version of it. Um, but that will fluffy pancakeness as well it's it's incredible um and look there's no there's no wrong way to eat a hopper um but there are ways that will sit there and laugh at you and, and joke around with it um but there's there's two ways one is the burrito style um which which i'm actually starting to to, to do more and more now because you get so many different flavors in so chucking your sambals your, your coconut uh your, your, you know fresh coconut chili lime sambal um or like a caramelized onion sambal as well. Put that in there, put a bit of curry, fold it up and eat it like a burrito, um, which is really, really good. I'm starting to dig. Um, or 
traditionally you'd, you'd rip it apart, get in with your hands and just scoop up a whole different accompaniments of, of, of curry sambols and, and sides and things like that and just scoop it in and, and eat it with your hands like you would rice. But um, yeah, I, I, the only thing I'd never say is, is don't have tackle with the fork and knife, um, always with your hands. Um, yeah, it's an incredible thing. The last year has been um, challenging for so many people and particularly the hospitality industry. What, what, what sort of toll has it taken on you with the impact it's had on your restaurant but also played it forward and being uh, so involved with that social obligation and, and trying to help those vulnerable? Has it had an, an impact on you personally? Personally? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's changed my life forever. Um, you know, I, I, I say it, uh, I'm pretty open about it. Um, it, it, it cost me a, a relationship. It, it, it took a real toll, um, on, on us because we were doing so much and, and, um, quite, quite, you, you take on a lot of burden when you, when you're hearing that your staff are, who have fled trauma and now re-traumatized or, or people are going without food and things like that. And we took a lot of that burden on. Um, and that was very, very difficult personally to understand what people were going through and sometimes always questioning, are we doing enough? Are we doing enough? What more can we do? You know, we had gone from running a restaurant for three or four months and been, been, you know, very popular restaurant to suddenly being shut down and, and going through that stress, which everyone has gone through. So it's not just us, but to, to, to go through that was, was hard enough. And then to, to restart and, you know, we'd put everything into the business um, and then anything that we've had residual now, we put everything again on the line to start a charity with no no way to, to recoup that. You know, it was just everything we had to put in the line and, and put all our money again into starting a, a movement that, that we wanted to make an impact. But uh, every day, so I, want, I want to have a bit more money so that I could do a little bit more. I want to, to help out a bit more. Um, and always going, not making enough of a difference because there's still people going through hard times. That was that was a burden. Um, you know, it sits with everybody in the not-for-profit scene. I think to, to think, are we doing enough? And you know, it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a constant challenge. Um, and that that does take a personal toll. Um, but when and I'll always say that there was a day that my my third credit card got rejected. Um, and I'm like, oh shit, I've got, I don't know how I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. And I, I kind of went and I walked through the areas that we were helping. Um, I just walked through um, uh, Red Fern um, and everybody, no one knows who we are. No one knows anything about us at this point. Um, and everyone said, hey, brother, how are you? Or smiled and said, hey, how you going? Um, and everyone on the street was just so warm, hospital and lovely. And I was an outsider just walking through. Um, and that's when I went, you know what? It's all worth it. Yeah, there's a personal toll. And yeah, there's 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 a little bit of money that we, ha- we have to, to fork out to do this. But that sense of happiness that that people had um that just made everything worth it for us so yeah it it it, it was okay you know and i went back and i started going back into it again and going yep we're doing what we can that's all we can do how can people help or, or get involved and contribute to what you're doing yeah great question look dining at the restaurant on our set menu means that you're donating one meal every time you sit there and dine on that set menu. So that's a really easy way uh, to get involved. Possibly, again, we want to be a self-sustaining charity. So we don't want it, we don't want donations, but we want our staff to feel empowered. So be it at the restaurant and serving um, and, and delivering the best product is, is lifting them up every time they do that. 
Uh, we've just launched a, a catering company, which is, again, taking premium food, premium ingredients, but with heart and soul. Um, and knowing that our staff might be able to cater an event or, or a corporate function or something like that, but be part of that and allowing their skills to shine, their abilities to shine, but then knowing that that feeds back into the community with, with more work, more employment hours, more, more training, more education uh, for people from marginalised communities. That is a great win-win-win for everybody. Win for the clients because they get the best meal, same price, um, but that, 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 that sense of satisfaction that our staff get, I think that's, that's the best way to help out. Um, it, it really means a lot to, 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 to our staff. Well, Sean, what you're doing is incredible. And I take my hat off to you, mate. It's um, bloody amazing what you're doing. And um, people should get involved and go and eat at the restaurant and um, keep an eye out for Plate It Forward. Uh, we're honoured to have you on Deep in the Weeds today, mate. Please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, and thanks for the opportunity. And 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 look, you, yeah, it's, there's a whole community of people out there supporting us and working with us. And and big shout out to everybody that does. And and thanks for your thanks for your your enthusiasm for what we do. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers, and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.